Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Believe in UCLA football podcast. We'll be here with a new episode for you right after this quick note. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wager, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Believe in UCLA Football Podcast. My name is James Williams, a reporter and editor for the Orange County Register and the Southern California News Group. No Josh Woods today. He's enjoying the rest of his bye week, deservedly so. And with that being said, we have a special guest on the show today, CBS analyst Aaron Taylor joins the show today. He's going to be on the call as part of the broadcast team for the San Diego State versus UCLA football game this week. So we're going to take the opportunity to talk with him, go over a couple things of what he's seen from UCLA. He was out at practice as well and probably got a better look at the team than I do, considering the access day-to-day members would get compared to someone who's getting ready to call a game that the team will be featured in. Before we get to Aaron, just a few quick thoughts. Of course, there's still the ongoing quarterback battle that's taking place. For many UCLA fans, it's pretty obvious that they no longer believe it's competition and they believe the true freshman Dante Moore should be the guy who is in charge of this offense going forward. Not only does he provide the best chance for the team this season, but he has the potential to go on and become that next big thing and become that long-term quarterback, potentially the same way Dorian Thompson Robinson was. So I'm curious to see where all of this goes. It can go a number of different ways. Um, Ethan Garbers is still expected to play. Still no word on who's starting after talking to Chip Kelly on Wednesday. All we know for certain, uh, and as we've known since after the Coastal Carolina game when Chip said that Colin Schley will play. I still think it's kind of interesting how they're kind of, or how he's kind of wording some of this actually, because when talking to Chip, it sounds like, you know, there's going to be some sort of game plan. I would imagine by now he did say by the end of the week, there would be some idea of how the playing time will be distributed. Obviously we're not going to know any of that until after uh, they take the field and get ready to kick off that game. Um, Even then we won't actually, we kind of, will just kind of see it happen as it happens. But um, I don't know if there's going to be a quarter really dedicated to Colin Schley based on the way Chip has kind of phrased his wording, uh, just kind of saying, I don't I don't have a word for word to say, but I've just kind of gotten the vibe from him um, that there will be kind of maybe certain quarters um, presented to the guys as opportunities for both maybe Garbers and Dante. And maybe I'm wrong on this. I'm getting a wrong read, but it just kind of sounds like maybe there will be a certain there'll be certain situations. I'm I'm sure that there will be a certain quarter or something in which he enters the game. But I think for Schley, it, it may be more of a certain drive or situation in the game rather than a dedicated quarter, Um, which unfortunately for someone like Shalee and the supporters of Shalee kind of makes sense because it's just kind of hard to determine how you're going to get 
three guys in unless you're really dedicating the quarters. Uh, Ethan Garbers kind of stated as so after his game when when he was kind of asked, how do you kind of feel based on the way you're kind of in and out of that game? And there wasn't really the opportunity to develop that rhythm. And he kind of said, uh, obviously felt a little dissatisfied with his performance, but it was kind of hard just to kind of get going and find a rhythm uh, just with the way the game kind of flowed. So, so just a few quick thoughts on the quarterback situation there. We'll see how it plays out. Obviously the defense um, in the secondary had some of its issues, but they did have a couple interceptions to help kind of bring that back to even more or less, but um, we'll see how the defense performs the second time around Deonton Lynn's second game as a coordinator at the college level. So we'll see how he, how he does overall. I thought it was a pretty solid performance there for his first go around with the defense. They did have some offside penalties. I'm sure that they're going to look to clean up, but I think as I mentioned to Josh earlier this week, they're going to try and take it with a grain of salt. Obviously they're going to try and improve on it, but that just is, maybe one of the downfalls when you do try to play an aggressive style of defense. And I don't think they're looking to change away from that aggressive approach going forward. So um, don't be surprised if you see another offside penalty or so. I think these guys are just hungry to get after the ball. Obviously they have their goals in mind. And obviously uh, we know Latu Latu's goal for 15 sacks this season. They'd get three of them in this past game against Coastal Carolina. So I think the opportunity for him to continue on that will only go uh, forward here. I'm curious to see how things work out in this game, though, because uh, my understanding is San Diego State is a more of a run heavy team this year. Not so much in the passing game. I'm sure that maybe they'll look to pass the ball um, when they see fit, but maybe that works to the secondary's advantage. Maybe, I guess, depending how you look at it, but maybe it's safe to say that when you have uh, some of the secondary issues that you had last week, just in terms of coverage, um, maybe you get a chance to get some confidence under those guys and kind of get them in a rhythm as you get two weeks away from the San Diego state game in which you'll be lining up against Utah in the very near future. So again, just some of my quick thoughts on my takeaways from the week, but again, let's jump right into our conversation right now with Aaron Taylor of CBS sports. I'm here with my guest today. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Aaron Taylor joining us here today, Aaron, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, James. I mean, we live in Southern California, brother. Who's got it better than us? That's right. There's no doubt about it. And on top of that, it's college football season. It's been a while. There's a lot of realignment and everything else, all that talk. But now we get to talk about the product on the field. Uh, I'm sure were, were you just as excited to get over the hump with all that stuff and get to the stuff on the field? Man, finally, bro. It, it was, I mean, I love talking season like the rest of us. It all mm -hmm. gives us things to do, but the games didn't disappoint. I mean, right. you talk about Colorado's ascension, I mean, mm -hmm. almost instantaneously. And you look at Clemson that ended the weekend with their precipitous fall, like things aren't behaving like we're accustomed to them behaving. And that's just one of the many unintended consequences, I think, of the transfer portal. But the bottom line was there was more parity. And the games were fun and exciting and things we didn't expect to happen happened. And that's been the lifeblood of this sport for a really long time. And we got all we could ask for through these first two weeks. There's no doubt about it. So, Aaron, this is my first year doing the AP College Top 25. And so I, <laughs> I, I thought I may be a little over my head a little bit, but I'm like, I'm going to do it. 
the last thing I expected after week two or week one, technically, was having Colorado in there. Not because they weren't talented, but just because you didn't really know what to expect. And there they are. I think they had them. I think we had them overall at number 22. So um, pretty mind blowing. But uh, the season is still young and, and there's still a lot that can happen. Um, but as I mentioned, with that top 25, six Pac-12 teams are in it. The team that's right outside on the bubble, uh, the team that this podcast is about, UCLA football, you're going to be calling the game they're playing at san diego state uh snapdragon stadium would be my first time there i'd imagine you've been there a couple times but what are some of your your big takeaways so far just from the game and maybe being able to break down some of the film you've watched well it's interesting i was at practice uh up in westwood shoot okay. i don't know a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and it was a smooth operation. Yeah. I noticed right away how crisp and upbeat and efficient everything was. There was no wasted motion. They had, you know, a very odd way of counting periods, but the amount of plays <laughs> they were able to get in yeah. during those periods was like, man, Chip is on it. And that's really, I think, what he's known for, right? He's an innovator. He's always been on the front of, of curves and trends and those sort of things so analytics and data and efficiency like he looks at everything and I think that's what his contribution to this game has been so that was the first thing I noticed the second was damn this is a good looking team man like Mm -hmm. this is how linebackers are supposed to look this is the way defensive ends are supposed to look and man four's throwing the ball pretty good but dang three's throwing the ball real good and who's this guy that's got this extra gear Number one at wide receiver, you're like, good Lord, like this may be the year that Chip has been getting ready for. And it certainly seems like it's all coming together. And, you know, week one at Coastal, there were some challenges with turnovers, mm-hmm. which is what plagued them a year ago. So they're going to have to get that sorted out. But I got to tell you, man, you look at the, the secondary and some of the challenges that were there last year. Yep. They peaked up a little bit against a really good quarterback, though, and Grayson McCall. But they had three interceptions. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the benefit of, I think, what we're seeing with Danton Lynn and that NFL vibe that he brings. Right. Yes, there were some penalties of jumping off sides, but this defensive line has a chance to be elite in the pressure that it can bring. And I think maybe me and you could go back there and play DB and have a chance of being (laughs) semi-successful. That's right. This ball is going to be coming out. So I, I think UCLA fans should be excited. There's still the jury's still out on a lot of areas, but. Chip isn't getting ready necessarily. Well, let me let me say this. All they're focused on is San Diego State. But right. he often uses these first couple of non-conference games. And I think I heard you guys talk about it almost like the preseason where he tinkers mm-hmm. because they know Utah's coming. And they know Utah has a very good chance of winning this league. So as he tinkers and explores things and plays with quarterbacks and gets different rotations into the mix and all that. He's got a very keen eye on what's going to happen in the conference. And if you're a Bruin fan, you should be excited. Okay, Aaron. So hear me out on this, right? So, so you touched on a number of different things, but I want to start with the quarterback situation. You kind of alluded to it there. So he says he's going to play three quarterbacks in the first game, obviously with some of the rule changing, how fast the the clock is moving and stuff. Wasn't able to get that done. Said he's going to have that third quarterback playing in this game, Colin Schley. Uh, but didn't rule out the possibility of the other two playing as well. Uh, knowing Chip wasn't going to budge on giving us a starter this time around, uh, which only uh, emphasizes the point that we got lucky last week with him telling us who the starter was. But um, what do you make of the quarterback situation? And my thought on it real quick is just you kind of need to maybe figure it out this game, because when you play 
that HBCU team next week, you at least want to give that quarterback, whoever your full-time guy is going to be, the opportunity to play out that whole game so they're ready to go, like you said, against Utah, and you're not kind of leaving someone half, you know, kind of half ready or, or something along that line uh, in terms of reps. Yeah, and, and those are all valid points, and I think spot on. And uh, this isn't Chip Kelly's first rodeo. Right. He hadn't had a whole lot of these, but we had – mm-hmm. we're taping this on what is today, Thursday. We yeah. had our meetings with him yesterday, and we asked him about that. And, of course, he didn't tell us nothing either. Yeah. We're the broadcast crew, <laughs> right. so you're, you're not alone in that, James. Right. Um, but his point was – Like, we got to figure out who's going to give us the best chance to win. When Mm -hmm. you look at it statistically, how much difference was there between Garbers and Moore? Virtually none, right? Right. I mean, one had two touchdowns and interception, and it was the end first for Garbers. Mm -hmm. But I saw what you saw and we all saw, which was the second play taken off, thrown on the run on the money. Yeah. That deep ball accuracy when he's scrambling to extend plays – the effortlessness with which the ball releases Moore's hand was phenomenal. And he's a freshman. So you're playing as a head coach for the entire season, not just look who looks good right now, mm-hmm. but it's been a pretty steep competition all along. And that's a credit more to Dante Moore and who he is than it is a knock on Garbers. Right. I'll say this. UCLA has one of the deepest quarterback rooms in the country. There are very few schools that would feel as comfortable with the three quarterbacks that they have in their room as UCLA does with theirs. So we're talking about a nominal difference in the short term about who's going to be there. And I think another way to say that is I think UCLA's floor on the quarterbacks is going to mm-hmm. be really high. There's and, and the ceiling could be infinite for Dante Moore. I think it's pretty prescribed for Ethan Garber's. But I think at this point in the season, yes, you want to play for the entire year, but Chip is still trying to figure out how much can be retained, learned, and executed because they may have to play more than one quarterback, certainly with the shots that we saw them take against Coastal. That should be a topic of the conversation because what we learned about those two dudes is that they can certainly take punches. I was really impressed with the way that they stood in there, even being knocked around the way that they were, keeping their eyes downfield and delivering the football accurately, even after taking some pretty impressive hits. So I I think it's a great problem to have. I know it Mm -hmm. can be – you know, some cause for consternation for fans and almost said the S word. I mean, we want to know, right? We want (laughs) to know who's going to be underneath center, but just be patient. It'll sort itself out. And I'd be shocked if it, you know, by mid year or three quarters of the way through, it's not Dante Moore's show, right? His best football is ahead of him and he's going to be elite. Everybody knows that, but you also have Utah coming up and you need to take advantage of these opportunities early. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think that's that's the one of the biggest thing the fans have kind of mentioned to me several times over is there's just so much more upside. If it's even in, in terms of the quarterback competition, why not just have more in, build him up, obviously, with Big Ten play around the corner. You want to ramp him up for that. But, you know, as Chip will always tell you, no matter who you are, um, he's just worried about this week. And you kind of alluded to that. He, he's not looking past San Diego State. Um, but I just want to jump over to the defensive side for UCLA real quick, and then we'll touch on San Diego State. But um, Latu and the Murphy Twins, solid up front, as you mentioned. Uh, one thing that stood out to me from this week was uh, – or from last week against Coastal was a few offsides penalties. But when Chip was asked about it on Monday – 
he just kind of said, hey, I mean, we're playing in aggressive style and the guys are aggressive. Danton Lynn wants them to be aggressive. The defensive line coach wants them to be aggressive. So it's he kind of almost he didn't you know, no one's ever OK with offsides penalties, but he kind of said it's kind of a give and take. And he doesn't want his guys to be relaxed or or have to second guess themselves when on on a pass rush or anything like that, just just because they're telling them not to get offsides penalties. Do you do you think it's a fine line, but a, a fair line or assessment there by Chip? I think so, and he doesn't want to blow it out of proportion, but here's mm-hmm. what I saw, James, was Danton Lynn, That's there's some NFL get-off on that mm-hmm. defensive line. And my guess is, it's in, and this is an old cliche from the coaching world, but it's better and easier to say whoa than giddy up. So you'll you take go. a couple offsides penalties, given that these guys can get off the ball the way that they can. There was a clip, and I think it was uh, Grayson Murphy to start the second half. He timed the snap so beautifully when he got the sack in the A-gap, mm-hmm. and he went to the the side of the center's snap hand, which makes it virtually impossible for the center to reach across his body with his left hand to be able to stop him. And, and in the football world, we talk a lot about imagine a string being tied to the football to the defender. And they moved in <laughs> unison. Then I slowed it down even more, and he just timed it, and it was a clean sack. It wasn't offsides. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could have 50 sacks this year. So you're going to yeah. take a first and five or a second and five that was second and ten because they jumped offsides if you're going to have game-defining plays, which are sack strips, fumbles, those sort of things. So in a perfect world, I would imagine that that's going to get better. But, man, they got a tiger by the tail. And that's what I saw at practice, man. Like, I Mm -hmm. love Tim Drevno, the offensive line coach. I've seen him coach. I know that they've got some new players that they're trying to rotate in and, and kind of figure out who their best eight are. Um, I think that that's starting to come together, but the defensive line was dominant and the practice that I saw, and that was one practice a couple weeks ago, the defensive line dominated and my big walk away, even including Dante Moore and how good he was, including mm-hmm. how athletic Sturdivant was, was damn UCLA is going to be able to have some creatures to feature this year that can get after the passer and win one-on-one both inside and outside and that's going to be a nightmare for teams to figure out how to defend. Uh, you you mentioned the offensive line there. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I was doing a little bit uh, of research on you, and a lot of it uh, stemmed back from last year when it, it kind of started picking up steam for me was uh, the Joe Moore Award, and, and UCLA's offensive line was a semifinalist for that. Um, just tell me, uh, if I'm not mistaken, founder, co-founder of the Joe Moore Award, just talk talk me through through that whole process of coming about that award and um, also just having a center for UCLA that's returning. Uh, if you are going to restart your offensive line to some degree, I guess it doesn't hurt to have a veteran center to kind of build it off of, right? No, and I thought Clemens was the most solid and consistent player. I don't know how high his ceiling is, but mm-hmm. his floor is extraordinarily high. Like he is solid, dependable, uh, snaps need to be where they need to be. It looked like he was communicating well, uh, with, with the people in the backs and the, and the quarterback and, um, you're absolutely right. Like you want to be strong from the middle inside out. You got to be good at tackle. So the edges don't soften, but, mm-hmm. um, the Joe Moore, Joe Moore was my old line coach at Notre Dame. And he sent 52 guys to the NFL in an 18 year career, wow. which if you do the math and, and I know UCLA <laughs> fans can't USC fans would have trouble with this. So this is for their benefit. That's about three per year. 
uh, from every line that he coached. He never had a senior starter at Notre Dame that wow. didn't at least have a cup of coffee in the NFL. So he's the best there's ever been. And he's got a legacy that myself and many of his former players like Mark May, Jimbo Covert, Russ Grimm, mm-hmm. Mark Stepnowski, like a who's who, Bill Fralick of NFL and College Football Hall of Famers, we wanted to find a way to not just preserve his legacy, but preserve the legacy of what he stood for, which was toughness and teamwork. So that those are the two principles that every good offensive line is built upon. But it's also the principles of what this country is founded upon when we're not in the timeout box like we've been over the last couple of decades and at various periods. So those are the things that the award celebrates. So we look for those two characteristics and their six criteria total in the plays of offensive line and last year UCLA and with Charbonnet and the things that they were doing yards before contact yards after contact, not Mm -hmm. that we even look at those things, but you could see it with your naked eyes. They were a physical finishing football team. They played with the chip on their shoulder. They played together. They played with toughness. They played with good, consistent technique. And those are the criteria that we base the award off of. And, as the, the season goes on, the cream starts to rise to the top, and they were a semifinalist. They didn't crack the finalist list. That was reserved for Georgia and Michigan last year, and mm-hmm. I think we got it right. Either one of those teams deserved to win it, but UCLA had a ridiculously good season last year, and that's why they earned the acknowledgement we gave them. And as we kind of wrap things up here, for the casual fan, uh, they're sitting down, they're watching the game, they're listening to you, of course. What are some key takeaways that you have from from what you've seen from San Diego State? And uh, what are the keys to success for UCLA if they look to win this game this week? Well, what's really interesting is the strength on strength matchup. And and Chip alluded to, you know, the limited possessions. Like, I think that's one of the things we're going to get into in depth in the game is the new clock rule changes. So a little teaser there, and you heard Chip talk about it. That's something that he did go into detail with us, is when you look at the percentage year over year from last year to this year of the total time per game and the total amount of plays per game, it's nominal. But when you look at how many drives per game, there's almost a true drive per game deficiency this year as compared to last year or a little bit over two. So that means that each team on average gets one less possession. Mm-hmm. What that does to the math on having second half or fourth quarter possessions to get yourself back in the ball game is a game changer. And Chip mentioned that. He said, yeah, we had seven second half drives, but three of those Two of those were turnovers, and one of those was a one-play drive. He's like, if you get behind by two, maybe three scores in the fourth quarter, you just may run out of time before the quarter's even over to get yourself back in it. And he predicted that we would see less fourth-quarter comebacks moving forward. Hmm. And what I'm extrapolating out of all this, James, that that I suspect, and it's a very small sample size already, but that we're going to see a a disproportionate negative impact on tempo teams than for regular teams. Basically, these up-tempo teams are going to have limited possessions as if they were playing against an academy that takes the ball out of the the air out of the ball, and that's going to be unfairly uh, stacked against them. And I think we saw the tip of the iceberg with Chip Kelly being vocal about it, Mm -hmm. but he's certainly not alone behind the scenes. And I think as we move forward, we'll hear a lot more about that as the season goes on. 
And as he was, he was pretty vocal about it. And I think at the same time, he also said, Hey, there's not much you could do with it. They're not going to change the rule for week two. So we just have to continue to, to move forward with it. And I think he's going to really dial in on what happened last week and take that into account this week. So uh, much like you, everyone's going to be watching to see how this quarterback situation plays out and how this team does going forward. But I just want to thank you for your time for hopping on with us. And hopefully uh, we can catch you down the road and get you back on sometime soon, Aaron. Yeah, man, if you're uh, at the game, James, come by the booth and say hello. I get there about three hours early, and I live locally down here in the the San Diego, Southern California area, so I'm around. It'd be nice to meet you face-to-face. You guys do a great job with your podcast. You're a fun, good listen. You guys do your homework, so uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'll try and make it a point to stop by. I plan, I plan on being there early and checking out that stadium as well, so thank you again, Aaron. Appreciate it. All right, James. Again, a special thanks once again to Aaron Taylor of CBS Sports for hopping on with us. A lot of great insight. I thought it was uh, really cool to kind of get his perspective on things and the way he's kind of approaching it. I could have had a much longer conversation with him just asking him about what he's looking for as a a guy on the broadcast team and what it what kind of things he's looking out for when he's evaluating some of these teams so um, maybe we'll get him on as i mentioned sometime in the near future would love to have him back um, especially if he's calling a ucla game in the future but with that being said make sure you guys stay tuned and follow me on twitter at jhw reporter i will be out at snapdragon stadium as i mentioned during the interview i will be covering the game writing about it for the OC Register. So make sure you go to ocregister.com for my article and what I take away from the game there. But also follow me on Twitter, as I mentioned, at JHW Reporter for live updates. I will be covering the game, providing updates, what I see. I'll try and be out on the field prior to the game and get some of that insight and what I can see and what I can take away from that. Um, one one thing that we're kind of looking to see is what is the status of Ali Caho, the linebacker, did miss some time because of injury last year, but was playing last week. Um, I didn't really see anything. Maybe I got to go back and look at the game again to see if there was something where he got hurt or bumped out of the game, but not sure if he re-aggravated something, but he hasn't participated in the first three practices earlier this week. So we'll get a better sense of him and what is going on with Ali Caho in this game. Is he unavailable? Remains to be seen, but uh, he's been through a lot during his career. So that's something to keep an eye out for on the defensive side. Maybe we'll see some more of Femi as well. I know a lot of fans wanted to see him in action, and he did play. Uh, He just didn't record a statistic uh, in terms of a tackle or anything along those lines. And sometimes that's what I've had to realize as well, is just because you don't have something on the stat sheet, that doesn't mean you didn't contribute in any way when out on the field in defense. It doesn't mean you didn't do anything. Maybe they just weren't going your way, whatever the case may have been. But um, we'll see how... We'll see how Femi gets more comfortable in the offense. He's still learning it. Obviously, transferred in from Cal. Um, so we'll see. They have a lot of linebackers there, so a lot of mouths to feed as well when you take that into account. But uh, I think Femi will come along just fine here in the upcoming season. So with that being said, I'm going to get on out of here. And, yeah, thank you guys again, as always, for listening to the Believe in UCLA Football Podcast. A few quick reminders. Don't forget to leave a five-star review. And your questions. We'll try and get an episode where we're answering some of those questions here on the show. Um, I will check it right after so I don't forget. I'll start checking to see if there are any questions that I can answer on the podcast. And don't forget to buy a t-shirt so you have some swag to wear out to the games. I have one of the shirts. They're comfortable. I love them. 
I think you guys will enjoy them as well. And what better place, as I've mentioned over and over again on the podcast, than to wear them to the Rose Bowl for a UCLA game. So uh, make sure, you, again, you're supporting your favorite podcast, this podcast, the Believe in UCLA football podcast, and your favorite team, the UCLA Bruins, at the same time by wearing one of our shirts. You can find out more details and what styles of shirts we offer. For more info on the shirts, those are available. There's links in the description of this podcast. Make sure you just scroll down to the bottom and you find that. So, yeah, a lot of other links down in the podcast description. Uh, try to make everything very accessible for you guys in ways you can reach us. Um, me and Josh will be back next week with a podcast breaking down what we saw, what our takeaways were from the San Diego State game. Um, but again, until next time, folks, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Thank you, everybody. This is the Believe in UCLA football podcast presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.